chapter 12. John chapter 12, and we're going to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God, starting in verse 32. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide Himself from them. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before You and we thank You once again for this new year that You've given us. The blessings of 2019 and how greatly and richly You blessed us with so many spiritual blessings and even earthly blessings, material blessings that You've given us and we're so grateful for it. And now as we look forward to 2020, we pray that we will be good stewards of the blessings, not just the material blessings, but the spiritual blessings, the, the gifts that You've gifted us with, the, those that are here that are gifted with the gift of encouragement and those that are here that are gifted with the gift of giving of themselves and sacrifice and those that are gifted with the gifts of teaching and ministry and doctrine. Lord, I pray that You would help us all to strive to use our gifts to magnify You this year. Lord, I pray that You would help me as a pastor, help me to have a clear vision for the ministry here in Hiawassee at Calvary Baptist Church as You lead, guide, and direct. Help me not to try to do things the way that I see fit, but to continue to try to follow You and Your Word. Lord, we pray now for the preaching time this morning. We pray that You would be with us. We pray that You would speak to our hearts through Your Word. Not through anything that I say or accomplish, but simply through Your Word. Work in our hearts and lives. Manifest Your presence in a real way. Help us to leave here encouraged to serve You properly. Lord, I pray that when we preach this morning and when we teach, that we won't preach or teach our own opinion, but that we'll be faithful to preach and teach Your book. Help us now. Help us to study together as we learn more about Your Son. In Christ's name, Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the reading of the Word of God. John chapter 12, we looked at several weeks ago, back around November we were here as we were getting ready to transition into considering Christ at Christmas and which paved the way for our Vision Sunday. And now we're back here at this verse that we read and kind of closed on in November. If I be lifted up from the earth, uh, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men... Unto me. Now, if you'll remember from our study in John chapter 12, we looked at Mary anointing the feet of Jesus. We look at his entry into Jerusalem, and we see the Greeks here have gathered together. Verse 20 there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. What feast is that? Well, that's the feast of the Passover, as you see from the other gospel accounts and from the timeline there. And they came up to worship at the feast. And there, verse 21, the same came therefore to Philip, which is of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. So these weren't Jews. These were Gentiles. These were Greeks 
who were coming to see Jesus. Now, if you'll remember the account, the, the, the story, the, the, the parable that, God, that Jesus gave, and then in about verse uh, 28 you see, Father, glorify Thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven. Now, up until this point... He's only addressing the Greeks, those Gentiles that are there, because they came looking for Him. Then in verse 28, God spoke audibly from heaven, and notice, then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it, glorified what? The Father's name, because that's what He prayed for, and will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered, Others said, an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, The voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Now at this point, the audible voice of God has spoken from heaven. And not only the Greeks and these Gentiles are listening to Jesus, but it has caught the attention of those that stood by, according to verse 29. Those that stood by. And we're going to see that these Greeks and Gentiles and even some Jews that were there and the Pharisees that were there would be now listening in because if you're listening to someone preach or teach the Word of God and then all of a sudden you... uh, or maybe. Have you ever seen those street preachers that are out preaching and they're teaching and they're yelling and they're and they've got a little crowd standing around them? If you were walking downtown Atlanta and you saw someone preaching and then all of a sudden you heard a voice come out of heaven, you'd stop too. Amen. Either that or you'd run for your life because you didn't know which what was getting ready to happen. They stopped and they were curious because notice the verse now that we read to start out, verse 32. I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. What is he referring to? His death. He's talking about his crucifixion. And that's told to us in verse 33. This he said signifying what death he should die. This he said signifying what death he should die. When he talked about being lifted up, they knew he was talking about the cross. How do we know that? Verse 34. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou, the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Now we notice a couple of things. First of all, I want us to notice who is the Son of Man. Now, were they wrong in their, uh, in their question? No, they were right in their pursuits to try to find out who the Son of Man is. Were they wrong in their interpretation of the law? The people answered Him saying, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. Keep your place here. We're going to look at several passages this morning. Look at Psalm 89. Turn to Psalm 89 and verses 36 and 37. Psalm 89... Psalm 89, look at verse 36. His seed shall endure forever, and His throne as the sun before me. Look at verse 37. It shall be established forever as the moon, and as a faithful witness in heaven, Selah. Look at verse 36 again. His seed shall endure how long? forever, and His throne 
as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon and as a faithful witness in heaven, Selah. This is talking about the throne of Christ. This is talking about the throne of God. And it says that it will be established how long? Forever. So were they wrong when they said out of the law that they had heard that Christ abideth forever? No, they were right. That's what's going to happen. The, uh, the, 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 the throne of Christ will abide forever. Jump to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Look at Isaiah 53. I want us to look down at verse number 8. <coughs> Isaiah 53 and verse 8. I wrote down the wrong passage, amen? That's a good one. Isaiah 53.8 is a good one. Jump to uh, Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9, let's go there. We're going to come back to Isaiah 53 in just a moment, but I want us to look at Isaiah 9. It's probably what I did. Verse 7. Let's start in verse 6. Isaiah 9, look at verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end." upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even how long? Forever. Forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so we see two verses here where we have already learned that the throne of God will be established or the throne of Christ will abide, will be established Forever. Turn to, uh, let's look at Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. And look with me down at verse 25. <coughs> look at verse 24. David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statues and do them. And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob, my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelled, and they shall dwell, dwell therein, even they and their children and their, ch and their children's children, for how long? forever, and my servant David shall be their prince, how long? Forever. Now at this point, the writing of Ezekiel, David's dead. 
David's gone. King David doesn't exist. So who is he talking about? He's talking about his seed. Matthew tells us the lineage of Jesus Christ and it points us to David. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the rightful heir to the throne of David. That's what we're talking about. And so that throne and those people that are living and abiding under that judgment and that rule will abide forever. So they were right in their speech or in their response. We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. Why? Because the Old Testament does teach that the anointed one, the Messiah, will abide forever. But what did they miss? That's where Isaiah 53 comes in. Turn back there. They miss something. Isaiah 53, we're going to start at verse 6. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a, as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. You see, these people, they knew the law and the prophets. They knew and understood the law, the teaching of the prophets and the law. And they recognized that the Messiah that they were looking for would be a Messiah who would rule and reign from the throne of David and His kingdom would be established forever. But there are prophecies that they overlooked. Isaiah 53 being one. Isaiah, look at verse 1. Who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's talking about our Savior, Jesus Christ. Talking about this Messiah. You see, of all of their understanding of the law and the prophets, they missed one of the greatest truths taught. And it's here in only one passage we've looked at in Isaiah 53 that He would come and take the sins of His people. That He would come and He would die for the sins of the world. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto Me. So the people ask the question, Who is the Son of Man? Well, we know who the Son of Man is. They were proper in their understanding of the law that this, this Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, would live forever and He would rule and reign. So then, to answer their question, who is the Son of Man? We're going to look at a couple passages to determine that. Look at Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Some of you will remember this from our Daniel study last year. We never finished it. Lord willing, we'll be able to finish it. Daniel chapter 7, very briefly, we're just going to look at verse 13. Isaiah 
I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought Him near before Him. And there was given Him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And His kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. Who is that Son of Man? Well, that's the Anointed One. That's the Christ. Who is the Son of Man? So when these Greeks and those that stood by, that heard the audible voice of God from heaven, when they heard Jesus say, If I, I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me, signifying what type of death He would die by, in verse 34, they were confused. Why? Because they knew that He identified Himself as the Christ, and they were looking for a king to rule over them forever, little did they know that they were looking directly at the Messiah and then asking Him the rhetorical question, Who is the Son of Man? It's Jesus. Jesus Christ. This anointed one that Daniel tells us would be established forever and ever. You see a description of Him given in Revelation chapter 2. Turn there. Revelation chapter 2. A description of the Son of Man is given in verse number 12. Revelation, Revelation chapter 2, rather chapter 1 and verse number 12. Revelation chapter 1, verse number 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about with the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Who is that? That's Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 1, 12 through 15, John the Revelator sees Jesus and he gives the description as one like the Son of Man. And then he describes him. If you continue the study in Daniel chapter 7, you see that same description, very similar description given to one called the Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days. Then you go on later and you see that he is referred to as the Son of Man. That Ancient of Days, the Son of Man, God in the flesh. What was Jesus' answer? Back to our text in John chapter 12. Scripturally, we've identified that yes, they, they were right. The Christ, His throne would abide forever. The Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, He would abide forever. They weren't wrong. But they left out something important. Jesus came to die for the sins of man. Verse 35, Jesus answered, Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the what? The light with you. So when the people asked Him, Who is this Son of Man? His answer is, The light. Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. Who is this light? 
I'm glad you asked. Turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Look with me. Verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was the life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of what? The light that all men through him might believe. Through John? No, through the light. He is the light of the world. That's what Jesus is. Look at chapter 9. John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Look at verse number 5. As long as I am in the world, I am what? He's the light of the world. As long as He's in the world, He's the light of the world. Amen? That's what He says. So back to John chapter 12. When the people asked Him, Who is this Son of Man? The Christ that we heard about in the law was going to abide forever. But you say, we thought you were the Christ, but you say that you're going to be lifted up. You're going to die. So who is the Son of Man? And Jesus says, yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light. He's already established that He's the light. He's already said that He is God in the flesh. He says in chapter 10, I and my Father are one. He is God in the flesh. He that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Now verse 36, While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. That ye may be the children of light. All of that was introduction. And everybody said, oh me. Amen? No, I'm just teasing. Now the application. I want us to notice something. If Jesus is the Son of Man, if He is the Christ of the Old Testament, the Messiah, and then He tells us that those that are His followers are the children of light, then who are the children of light? Who are the children of light? If you're taking notes this morning, number one, the children of light are those that believe. Those that believe. Look at verse 35. Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk... While ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you, for he walketh, he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whether he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light. For what purpose? That ye may be the children of light. 
Turn with me to Romans. Now we're going to spend more time about this belief tonight. Because as I told you last month in going through this, some of the changes that were coming, we're going back to our original format of just verse by verse. And what we're going to do as a church, we're going to focus on one book at a time. And when Vision Sunday comes around, you're going to see the reason for that. There's some things that I'm going to ask you to do as you go week to week because we're going to be able to focus on one book at a time. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. As long as the Lord allows and doesn't lay something else on our heart as far as direction. So John is where we're going to finish over these next few Sundays and Wednesdays until we're done with the book. Amen? So I want, we're going to look at this belief a little deeper tonight. But I want us to look at Romans 13 right now. Romans 13. And we're going to look at a couple of verses here in Romans. Look down, if you will, at verse 11. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when? When we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Now here in Romans 13, we're also going to see that the light is Jesus Christ. It's identified not only in John, but it's identified for us here in the rest of this text. Verse 13, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Wait a second. Verse 12 says, put on the armor of light. Verse 14 says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the armor of light? It's Jesus Christ. Who is the light? Jesus Christ. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Go to Romans chapter 4. We're going to start moving a little quicker. I only have two more points after this one. And we're going to come back to this belief tonight in a little more detail because I want us to recognize something about this. But Romans chapter 4 and verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that what? Believe, Believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Who's he talking about? He's talking about us. We're the uncircumcision, amen? We're not Jews. We're not Jews. We're the Gentiles. We're looked at as dogs. According to the Jews, we are less than. Amen? We don't deserve to even dine from the table where the children of God dine. But even the dogs get to get some of the crumbs off the ground of that good food. Amen? You know the story. That's who we are. We're the uncircumcision. We are those that righteousness has been imputed unto. Why? Because we've believed... On him. Jump down, if you will, to verse 24. We'll see it again. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. So, who are the children of light? Those that believe. How do we identify the children of light? Who else are they? They're those that love the brethren. Number two, those that love the brethren. Turn to 1 John chapter 2. If you're struggling with your salvation, if you're curious, maybe you've believed the lie that you're not saved after you've known that you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And we're going to look at that a little bit tonight in a little more detail to help out. 
1 John is a wonderful book because it is written that we may know that we have life. That's the purpose of the first epistle of John. And one of the ways that we know that we have passed from death unto life is that we love the brethren. Again, verse 8. 1 John 2, verse 8. A new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in Him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He saith, He is in that light. He that saith, He is in that light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in what? Darkness. And walketh in what? Darkness. And knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. You want to know what I immediately think of when someone tells me they don't go to church? Oh, I know I'm saved. Why do you go to church? Well, all those hypocrites. You know what I immediately think of? 1 John 2. 1 John 2. Well, I'm not going to church because of those hypocrites. I'm a Christian. Me and God, we got our own thing going. Well, first of all, that's extra scriptural. That's nowhere found in the Bible. You're not... Listen, the church which is His body consists of saved people. Amen? And the Bible tells us that if we are passed from death unto life, if we are passed from darkness unto life, we will love the brethren. And do you know what happens when you love someone? You want to be around them. Amen. You want to be around them. I don't like going to, the, I don't like going to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites. Amen. I love what the one preacher said. Then why do you go to the grocery store? Because there's hypocrites there too. Amen. You watch movies, don't you? They get paid to be hypocrites. What is a hypocrite? Someone pretending to be something they're not. That's what a hypocrite is. Did you know that saved people can't pretend to be Christians? They either are or they aren't. So of all the people in this life, there's only one type of person that can't be a hypocrite, and it's a saved person. Why? Because you're either saved or you're not. You can't be saved and pretending that you're saved. Amen? That's just not how it works. If you've passed from death unto life, there will be a change that's evidenced in you, and one of those evidences is that you love other Christians. You want to know why I love our men's retreat. Want to know why I love? Hey, I get to go down to Jacksonville in February and, and Callahan and, and preach at my old church on a, on a Monday night. And, and I'm a little nervous. Pray for me because uh, I, I get to preach before one of my favorite preachers. And Brother Jim Alter's preaching. He's the main guy. I'm the warm-up guy. Amen. That's kind of how that works. Amen. I'm the first one. And, and then the main man. It's kind of like when Brother Jeff was here. Uh, uh, Brother Jeff Faggart. Y'all remember him on our Baptist history? The, these men, this, this group of ten that we're in a, a, a constant communication with, and these, these are my heroes. These are men I look up to. And i got to preach in front of those jokers next month. Amen? And that is very daunting because every one of them been in the ministry at least a decade longer than I have. Amen? And they have so much Bible knowledge and experience. I don't feel like I even have deserved the honor to share the pulpit with them, much less preach and try to help be an encouragement to them as they've been to me. And so I get to do that on Monday. So I'm going to fly out Sunday night late after church here. And I'm going to fly down, be with them on Monday, preach that night Monday. 
Sunday. We've got sessions on Tuesday I'm excited about, about Baptist history and then about preaching and things of that nature, kind of a pastor's fellowship with other pastors in the area to, to uh, just get, get further, deeper in the Word of God. I'm excited about that. Why would we do those things? Why would I do that? Because I love other Christians. I want to be around them. When I leave here, why do we invite people over to our house? Or why do we go visit when we have opportunity as often as I can? Because I love to be around you. Why? Because we're part of the same family. We're family. We're brothers. We're sisters. I love going to men's retreat. Why? Because I get to be with other men that love God. And we can joke and we can have a good time. And then we can sing the praises of God. And then we can study the Word of God together. And then we can eat to our heart's desire without any wives standing over us saying, you've had enough. Amen. Amen, amen men. I, that's okay to say amen. It's New Year's. We already know what's happened. Went to the Goodwill. The Goodwill yesterday. Amen. Bought me this new shirt. And uh, it fits and it's a little baggy. And my loving wife reminded me, well... It's probably good because some of your other shirts are starting to pull a little bit in this area, amen. I've not been watching what I've been eating. Well, I've been watching it, amen. I've been watching everything that I eat. I've just been eating everything that I look at. That's the problem, amen. Well, I forgot, you got me talking about food. I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, we love the brethren, amen. That's, That's what we're talking about, gathering together. We love the brethren. But if you're a Christian, you have zero desire to be around other Christians, I, I, would, I, would, I would start checking that. I would start praying, God, why, why don't I desire to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ? Why don't I desire to go to that family reunion that we have every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night? Why don't I desire to be a part? Why don't I want to be there, God? Maybe it is that you're not saved. Could be. Could be is that you're not saved. Second reason could be that you're running from God and being around other Christians makes you feel convicted. You've been hiding from the Holy Spirit and then all of a sudden you get here. Miss Barbara hugs your neck, tells you she loves you. And then she asks you, because she'll ask you if you've not been here, we've missed you where you've been. Amen? Why? Because that's convicting. Maybe that's what it is. Either way, search me, O God, and know my heart. Why don't I want to be around other brothers and sisters in Christ? If I've passed from darkness unto light, the evidence of that is going to be that we love the brethren. And then number three, those that love the light, or those that are in the light, leave darkness. They are those that leave darkness. Back to John, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Excuse me. While you're turning there, John 12, 35 says, Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Now there's two passages we're going to look at. Uh, and for sake of time, you're turned to Ephesians chapter 5. And we're just going to end there this morning. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, 
but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is the light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Two things that we learn about those that leave darkness. Two things very quickly and will be done. Number one, those that leave darkness excommunicate darkness. They excommunicate darkness. What does that mean? They get rid of it. They stay away from it. Keep here in Ephesians. I'm going to read you 2 Corinthians 6. I want you to hear this. I want you to see it. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Look it up when you get home. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now what do we like to do with that? We like to tell our children. Don't marry a lost person. Amen. You make sure when you meet someone, you ask them, you ask them, do you know Christ is your Savior? Don't marry a lost person. That's not a good thing to do. But what's the context of chapter 6? It's not marriage. It's our fellowship with this world. In all of our activities, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Then notice in verse 15 it goes even a step further. What concord hath Christ with Belial? That's a a demon idol. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? So those that believe in Christ, those that claim and profess to be Christians, the Bible tells us that they won't have anything to do with darkness. They'll excommunicate darkness from their life. Do you want to know what the problem is with modern Christianity? Do you want to know what our problem is today? you want to know why we aren't as faithful to God as we should? Because we don't excommunicate darkness in our life. We welcome it with open arms. We apologize for it and we make excuses. We apologize for it and we make excuses. We look at sin and instead of saying, I don't want anything to do with it, we say, well, it's not my place to get involved. Hogwash. Use a good phrase. Amen? Hogwash. It's not true. So am I supposed to get involved? Yes. How are you supposed to get involved? When you see darkness, you make sure that it has nothing to do with your life and then you preach Christ so that those that are involved in darkness will hear the clear gospel of salvation because it is that gospel that will bring light into their dark world. Let me ask you a question. You ever wandered around at night in your home? Now, most of us know where everything is in our home. Men, until our wives move furniture. Amen? Amen, you know what I'm talking about. You get up and you're groggy and you're stumbling and you're looking for the kitchen to get you a cup of water and you're trying to walk your way in there and then all of a sudden you did not know that your loving dear wife of however many plus years has decided to rearrange and she thought the couch would look better in this certain area where you used to have a clear path to the kitchen. Amen? And then the next thing you know, you 
knock your knee in the middle of the night and then you're trying to be quiet because Lord knows if you're loud in the middle of the night, you'll never hear the end of it. But what happens, kids, when mom wakes up? Pans are clinking and everything's moving. Amen. Look at me like a calf at a new gate. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you men are just afraid to admit it. Amen. Thinking, Pastor, it's a new year. I'm trying to work on my marriage. Well, we got to be honest. Amen. Communication and honesty. Best policy. Women, quit moving the furniture. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. Men, we just need to pay more attention sometimes. <laughs> what happens when you're wandering around in darkness? Now, let me ask you a question. Wouldn't it have been better if you had had a little bit of light? Do you think people that wander around in the darkness of this world are happy? Have you ever thought of that? Those people that claim to be living in joy, do you think they're fulfilled in this life? The answer is no. Well, they seem fulfilled. That's because they don't know what fulfillment is. They've never had peace that passes understanding. They don't know a joy unspeakable. They don't know it. They don't know what it's like to have Christ within them. And so they're wandering in darkness and they're just they're bumping into things every once in a while and they're like blind men looking for answers and they have no idea. And then what are we doing as Christians in this modern age? We're just going to get out of the way. We see them wandering around like they're walking with their eyes closed about to fall off a cliff, but we don't want to offend anybody, so we're going to step back and, and, and I'm not involved in their darkness, but I'm not going to stop them from what they're doing because I don't want to open that can of worms. That's not how we excommunicate darkness. Excommunicating darkness from our lives means that we tell people the truth that we let them know that they're wandering in darkness and that there's a better life for them than what this world has to offer. But how can we do that if we're wandering around living as if we're in the dark with them? How can we do that if we don't excommunicate darkness from our own lives? Hey, I challenge you this year, instead of making excuses for your sins, how about ask God to forgive you for them and to help you to be a better Christian? Well, I... I know I shouldn't be doing you fill in the blank. Amen? We'll go, one, we'll go with one that we know is clearly biblical. I know I shouldn't be drinking. Amen? That's biblical. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. The Bible says, Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Jesus turned water into wine, so isn't it okay to... Didn't Jesus drink wine? Absolutely not! A clear study of Scripture shows us exactly what Jesus did. The fruit of the cup is what Jesus turned the water into. You study that out. I encourage you to do it. You missed that Tuesday night. We did a study on the fruit of the cup and we looked at that a little bit. Amen? Nowhere in Scripture, even for the Lord's table, nowhere does it say they used wine. It always says the fruit of the cup. Why? Because God didn't want any confusion when it came to the ordinance of the blood and body being broken. Well, I know I drink every once in a while, but that's okay. No, it's not. Excommunicate darkness from your life. Let's not make excuses for sin. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? You have no business having communion with people who are lost and dying and pulling you into their sin. They do not need you to join in to their darkness. They need you to show them the light. That's what they need. We need to learn to excommunicate darkness. And then, number two, reprove darkness. 
Back to Ephesians chapter 5, look at our verse. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Very quickly, this word reprove simply means to blame or to call it out. Luke chapter 3, let's turn there very quickly. Keep it Ephesians 5, Luke 3. We're almost done. We're going to end at Ephesians 5, just like I said. But we're just taking a little, a little side trip, amen, to Luke chapter 3. And I want us to look at Luke chapter 3 and verse 19. John the Baptist was preaching and teaching of the one that was to come. Herod, in verse 19, Herod was convicted because John called Herod out for his ungodly lifestyle. But Herod the Tetrarch being reproved by him for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. Herod put John in prison because John called Herod out on his immorality. John called Herod out on his immorality. And the Bible says that he was reproved by him. Herod was reproved by John. Back to Ephesians chapter 5. Do you know what reproving darkness means? When the Bible says that we're to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. You know what the Bible says? That those that are the children of light, those that are saved, are going to call sin, sin. We ought to call sin what it is. Sin. We ought not make excuses for it. We ought not overlook it. We ought to recognize it as such. Sin is still sin, and sin is an abomination to God. You want to know how you you want to know how you can know? You want to know how you can know if you're living a life that's offensive to God? By your reaction to sin. By your reaction to sin. If you're, if you're not cringing at the thought of sin when you see it occurring, if it doesn't cause you some discomfort. There's a disconnect between you and God. I'm not saying you're not saved, but what I am saying is that there is a problem with the fellowship. Because if Jesus Christ was truly the Lord of your life, or if Jesus Christ, rather, was seated on the throne of your heart and you were in constant communication, constant fellowship with Him, then the moment sin was set before you, it would make you cringe. That should be the natural... Why? Because we would react as God reacts. How does God react? The Bible says that God is angry with the wicked every day. Angry with the wicked every day. Angry with wickedness. Hating darkness. Why? Because it's that darkness that's leading multitudes, countless people, to an eternity of death, hell, and damnation. Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 11. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Verse 13. But all things that are reproved, called out, blamed, sin is sin, are made manifest by what? The light. And whosoever doth make manifest is the light. Jesus Christ 
makes manifest of what sin is. He shows us what sin is. He guides us. He helps us. So when sin enters in, we can excommunicate it from our lives. We can reprove it properly. If Christ be in us, and if Christ is the preeminent one. When we consider Christ this year, when we consider Him in the holiday season, when we look to John and we recognize that He identified as the light of the world, we should recognize that we are His children. There are some things that should come along with that. Every head bowed, every eye closed.